Hey guys, Mubarak Shah, CPA here and M&A advisor here to talk to you guys today about what is required in order to raise debt financing from a bank, all right, or from a lender. Because when you're looking for any acquisition, the most effective way to raise capital typically outside of investors or outside of self-bootstrapping it is debt financing as well. And so there's a variety of different manners and things to have in place in order to do that effectively. And that's exactly what I want to talk about today. All right. Because depending on, you know, what your background is, private equity, uh, search world, if you're just, you know, an owner operator trying to buy a business or if this is your first business acquisition, wherever you kind of fit in the spectrum, a good situation to make things less complicated is occasionally, you know, looking at bank financing. Right. So, for example, the whole concept of a leveraged buyout or an LBO is doing uh, purchasing a company or buying a business by using debt. And so that's the path that private equity ends up taking. And the whole factor that they're looking at is what leverage they, they can use in order to acquire the business. And so obviously there's going to be certain limitations that hold you back in order to understand, you know, how much you can truly how much debt you can take on. And that's a super important and critical, you know, factor and variable to understand when you're looking to buy any business. And so that's what we're going to talk about. Um, from a terminology standpoint, what banks talk about and what you need to cover in your own financial models overall is what's called the debt service coverage ratio, all right, or the DSCR. And essentially what it is is that it lets you understand your company's cash flow and how much you need to cover your annual interest and principal obligations, right? So that's what banks care about. They'll lend you money up to a certain amount where they feel confident that you're going to be able to pay back that money and pay back their loan plus interest without having to face any issues. So that's basically what banks keep an eye out for. And it includes not only the principal obligations, um, but also the interest. And so it's a super useful metric whenever you're looking at reducing your term debt in a capital structure or just in general. When It, it really helps you understand what is the business's ability to service its debt obligations. And that really is just, a you know, when I say service debt obligations, that's just a fancy way of saying paying your monthly interest payment or quarterly interest payment and paying down your principal, right? So how much you need to pay. So when you think about, for example, if you get a mortgage or a house, right? And so the amount that you have to pay monthly is usually your principal plus your interest. So you need to make sure, obviously, you're making enough money to cover that. And that's the same concept for a business. And so... There's a few different factors that come into play, and it's usually treated as like a ratio. So, for example, a higher DSC ratio or debt-to-service you know, coverage ratio is better than a lower one, right? So the minimum typical requirement that we see lenders have is about 1.5x. And so what does that mean? And that means that your cash flow or overall, you know, income and cash coming into the business is going to be less than your, I'm mean, sorry, is going to be greater than the amount of in interest and principal. So if you're making a million dollars of profit, right, from your business, and you only have to pay 500000 a year in interest and principal, then you do a million over 500000 and that's two. And that's your debt to service coverage ratio. And so that's how banks look at your EBITDA, um, you know, minus your cash taxes. And they put that over the amount of interest and in principal that you would have to pay on your loan. And that's how they come up with the ratio. So 
you know, for example, if you're looking at other companies, if you're looking at this analysis, what you need to really understand is, okay, what is the current portion of long-term debt and what is the interest expense? And you put that under, you combine those two and you put that under EBITDA to get the debt service coverage ratio. And that's really important because that's why you end up using EBITDA because, you know, you're not using net income because you have depreciation, amortization, you know, um, not kind of like considered. And so it's never just taken in isolation, but it's usually calculated on an annualized basis. So they want to look at cash flow in a period of time. And so a higher DSCR is what you're looking for. And anything less than one is considered weak. And because it would suggest that the company owes more money to creditors per year than it generates in cash. Right. And so most commercial banks, lenders, equipment, finance firms, all of that. If you're ever going to go to a bank for financing or for debt or to acquire a company, what the company needs to be able to show is that it has a minimum of 1.25 X um, on a debt service coverage ratio. Now, again, that's a minimum. I would say that, honestly, companies like to, uh, banks like to see a larger amount. They like to see, you know, closer to two times or more. And um, many small and mid-market commercial lenders will actually set like when you use uh, a, a debt service coverage covenant at not less than 1.25x. So what does that mean? Like when you raise money from a bank, what they're going to do is they're going to establish certain covenants, which basically means like you have certain rules that the company needs to follow. And if it comes below that covenant, that means that your debt is at risk and the bank can end up taking it back. Uh, and, and kind of calling the loan due. Um, and so, you know, the debt service coverage ratio is what is the financial metric that's used to measure the company's ability to pay its debt obligations. And so that's why banks and sometimes require your financials because lenders and investors, they often look at this DSCR to determine if a company ends up being a viable candidate for financing or investment, right? Because again, a higher DSCR shows that the company can cover it's debt pay payments, and so that gives lenders a lot more confidence in providing financing, right? A higher DSCR can help mitigate risk, so if a company has a strong ability to cover its debt payments, it's obviously going to be less likely to default on its loans. And so that is what investors are looking out for because it reduces the, the risk for investors, right? It helps them feel more confident and comfortable that they're going to be able to get their money back if, God forbid, something happens, right? A lot of things, random things end up happening in business. But if you have a good cash flow in your business and you're able to easily cover your debt to service income ratio, uh, sorry, debt service uh, coverage ratio, then you're going to be in a much better position. Um, also, what ends up happening is that you end up being able to get access to better term loans. So companies with a strong DSCR are often able to get actually a better loan term so lower interest rates more flexible repayment schedules because ultimately the bank knows that they're going to make their money right banks are and lenders are just investing off of risk and so what they want to do is see what is the least risky asset or business to lend against so obviously when you're looking to acquire a company that's the first thing you need to look at is i mean there's a couple of factors revenue ebitda but the company's dscr is going to be an important indicator of the company's ability to manage its debt obligations. And so you need to be sure that the company's DSCR in cash flow 
is strong enough to handle the debt payments, right? And then obviously there's going to be a couple other factors that come into play. So like industry and growth potential, um, financing the terms and conditions. So as I mentioned, like the covenants are something interesting and important to understand the repayment schedules. Um, and all of these are important factors for you to keep in mind um, when you're kind of tracking it. And obviously you have to remember EBITDA is not cash flow, right? So it serves as a proxy, but a lot of times, for example, as a CPA, if you're going to, you go to an accounting firm to do a Q of E, what they'll actually help you do is help you do that bridge from, you know, what is the kind of EBITDA to cash flow bridge so you understand what is the actual cash flow of the business. And that's important because depreciation and amortizations, they're non-cash expenses, right? So they're expensed for accounting purposes, but that's actually cash that's available to help service debt, and it should be added back. And then interest obviously must be added back to the numerator too because they're including it, and you don't want to double count it. Um, so that's kind of what is important, and, and it's tough to sometimes use the cash flow right from the cash flow statement because that includes kind of increases and decreases of cash, like uh, tightening or extending payable days, increasing or decreasing inventory turns, uh, collecting payments more or less quickly from customers. And so because they're really fluctuating from period to period, it's hard for you know for you to utilize that cash flow from operations line on the on, on say a financial or a statement of cash flows because it doesn't always represent a company's ability to consistently generate earnings and cash flow. Like for example, if I am with a company and, and we are understanding that we're about to be, you know, um, really getting tight on our money and we have a while before we can raise more funds, then I'm going to start pushing off vendors, start pushing off payments, start buying less. And so if you were to just look at my cash flow for my bank activity for a certain few months or a quarter, you would get a unrealistic example as to how we're running the company because this is just a short time period situation of because we're trying to extend our runway, I'm making these types of changes. So that's always something important. And really, the the kind of key, I would say, kind of differentiator that comes in a lot of the times is for any company that uses, uh, like, that has heavy capital expenditures or, like, manufacturing and things of that nature because CapEx, right, is, is capital expenditure. And some businesses require constant reinvestment in order to remain competitive. And so your debt service coverage ratio would actually end up having you know, CapEx as a subtraction on the numerator. So like a lot of the times, you know, that's kind of going to be cash that's gone that can no longer be used to service the debt. So that's definitely something you need to keep in mind. So ultimately, you know, one of the things to kind of keep an eye out for is that there's going to be small adjustments to whenever you're trying to calculate debt service coverage ratio. But ultimately, it all has to do with how you're going to be, you know, what is the ultimate kind of cash flow that you end up left with, all right? And this is like important to know because if you want to secure a business acquisition loan, uh, any kind of financing or any lender you go through is going to request this type of information and pull the financials to get this, right? So even if you go through the SBA or a non-SBA bank, um, obviously you're going to need to have like, if you're going to put your own name up, 
good personal credit, a minimum credit scores, but you know, conventional there there's also the ability to get what's called like a conventional loan which doesn't have to go through the technical SBA, but still the bank is going to what's called underwriting, which basically means doing financial analysis on. They're going to be doing underwriting on that company itself. And so the cash flow and the debt service coverage ratio is super important uh, to be able to kind of keep that factored in your model. So that way you understand how much money and how much of a you know loan you can actually take out. And so finally, the last thing I'll say is that banks actually have a maximum when you're doing to acquire a company of how much they'll actually lend you. And usually it's some type of multiple of EBITDA, like, for example, Live Oak Bank in the past used to have like a 5x maximum on EBITDA, meaning that they'll lend you a total loan of up to five times the company's EBITDA. And so that's kind of where sometimes valuations come into play, where if an industry multiple comes in and you're saying, okay, I'm going to buy the company at 3x EBITDA, 4x EBITDA, things of that nature, you just have to kind of understand that, okay, there's only a certain percentage of that total purchase price that you can actually use bank and debt financing for. So that's just something to keep in mind. And it's important to know because really what ends up going out is um, you have to end up basically knowing how you're going to raise the money for your acquisition. Now, a lot of the times, the typical kind of uh, acquisition criteria, or I would say ratio we see, is that ideally you wanna have a percentage of the deal be covered by the seller, right? You want to have the confidence that the seller is willing to put up some money because they have faith in the business and the business model that they're going to be able to, you know, help you continue with the business and they're not gonna just disappear after. Right. So in that example, you end up seeing or hopefully being able to get, let's say, a 20 percent or so amount of uh, debt or seller financing. All right. And then about 30 percent typically ends up being like equity, if you can afford it between investors or, you know, depending on how much cash flow you have. Obviously, the more you can put into equity, the more you'll own, but also the less debt you will have to pay overall. So it's always good to be able to kind of maximize that to whatever ability you have. And then finally, the rest of is, is usually covered by the bank or by debt financing, right? So there's conventional, there's SBA, there's um, whatever kind of capital that you can start raising and kind of getting from the bank. That ends up being the debt financing that you use for the deal. So hopefully that helps. I mean, I know it's not a very popular topic, but it's super important for any lender. And whenever you're looking to buy a company, it's something that's core that you need to have down. So as always, if you have any questions or want me to introduce you to any lenders, you can always email me. I'll put my email in the description. It's Mubarak at ShahBusinessCPA.com. Or you can text us at 516-417-4941. Hope to hear from you guys soon. Take care.